You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. i tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races, some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Big stuff like Curtis Samuel, Phil Lindsay, maybe A.J. Green. Less big stuff like Marlon Mack, Rodney Hudson, Kyle Long. Uh, that's and coming A.J. Green. And A.J. Green. I mean, come on. All right, well, you know, it's A.J. Green. That's what we got for you right now on Fantasy Football Today. That's right now at 10 in the morning. But at 3 p.m. Eastern, we got even more. Hopefully, there will be some news throughout the day. 3 p.m. Eastern, tuned in to CBS Sports HQ for a special edition of Fantasy Football Today. I'm Adam. You heard Dave. And we welcome Heath Cummings back. And I have to apologize. Big apology to start the show. I whiffed on St. Patrick's Day. Didn't wish anyone a happy St. Patrick's Day. Don't really care about St. Patrick's Day, but a lot of people do. I am wearing green today. Heath, you probably care about St. Patrick's Day, right? You you, you don't like the holidays that, that everybody else likes, like Halloween. So you're probably, well, I guess everybody likes everybody likes St. Patrick's Day but me. But since I, we have nothing in common, I'm sure you like St. Patrick's Day. I've got St. Patrick's Day things to say. Okay. Um, Yesterday actually was the first time that I can ever remember that I didn't wear green on St. Patrick's Day because we'd gone camping four days before St. Patrick's Day and not realized that St. Patrick's Day was going to fall during the middle midst of this trip. I wasn't going to go buy green things. But yeah, I definitely had people ask me my first couple of years at CBS, so you always wear green? On St. Patrick's Day, because nobody in South Florida participates <laughs> in St. Patrick's Day at all, other than going and drinking beer, um, which I like as well. Um, but please don't put something in it to make it green. Like, let's just drink good beer instead of green beer. Does it taste different or is it just a food coloring? It, it, I, I don't. I've never had a green beer that tasted the same as the beer without the food coloring. Okay. I made shepherd's pie last night. My, my pretty wife's pretty cool. making corned beef and cabbage tonight, so well, that's, that's fantastic. A little bit late There's there. There's Flanagan's near our office. We can go there and pick up some Irish-themed chow. There you go. Now, yeah, let's go to shenanigans. All right, Super Troopers, anybody? All right, Heath's biggest free agency winner. Let's start with that. So so we'll start with Heath kind of recapping what he missed. So get your thoughts on some of the big stuff. Your biggest free agency winner. Then we'll talk about the news from yesterday and this morning as uh, looks like Philip Lindsay will not be on Denver next year. That's pretty big news. And we are going to hear from the, well, or I will read what our listeners had to say about their free agency winners. We also have your Apple podcast questions later on in the show. Heath, biggest free agency winner so far. I've got two answers in terms of how the, the the meme, how it started versus how it's going. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has to be the biggest winner because he was not someone that I expected to be a top 30 quarterback. And as of right now, I think you have to pretty solidly look at him as a top 20 guy and maybe a borderline streamable starter with it, with a decent set of weapons and probably a high volume pass offense. I've currently got him 16th in my uh, projections, which is a, an enormous leap from where he was. In terms of like someone who actually really matters, um, I've got Aaron Jones as now a top five running back in both formats. He'll still have to share, and he's going to share with A.J. Dillon and 
And who knows, Dylan may even be better as a runner than Jamal Williams was, but I can expect they're going to continue to throw the ball to their running backs a lot like they have ever since this regime got there. And A.J. Dillon is not the complement that Jamal Williams is in the passing game. So while I don't really think there will be an increase in carries for Aaron Jones, I do expect, as they're currently constructed, there would be an increase in targets. And that could make him... Like, if the touchdowns keep up, he might challenge for number two at running back. Couldn't the touchdowns come down because Dylan is the more physical presence that they could use in short yardage? Talked about this earlier this week that Jones doesn't have a... He doesn't have a bad conversion rate on short yardage plays, but last year, Dylan, and we know he did it at Boston College, but last year he had six plays of three yards or closer to go, converted on five of them. Definitely a better bully at the goal line if the Packers decide to go that way over Jones. Like, I, I think that's pro- like, I understand why you're saying that, and he has the better profile. It's hard for me to say that the guy who scored 36 touchdowns over the last two seasons the second year back with 50 career carries is definitely a better scoring option. Like Jones has been awesome at scoring touchdowns. Right. And it it hasn't necessarily all been short yardage goal line. He's had some of them. I could look up the numbers if you really wanted to hear him again, but it's, it's still somebody who will take 10 to 12 touches per game. I agree with you on the catches. I think that that absolutely helps Aaron Jones profile. And I think he is a first round pick. Uh, I'm just a little worried that he won't get every single one of those touchdowns, just like he didn't get it with Williams. But Williams wasn't great in that role. He might have been the worst of the three, percentage-wise. Okay, so Ryan Fitzpatrick and Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, would you rather have Aaron Jones or Mar- or Marlon Mack or Jonathan Taylor? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I, I would take Jones now. <clears throat> I'll, I'll take Taylor. You're saying you'd take Jones now because he's back with Green Bay and Jamal Williams won't be, or you'd take Jones now because of Marlon Mack signing yesterday? I did downgrade Taylor just a little bit with Marlon Mack coming back. Um, But mostly I just gave him the Jordan Wilkins workload that I had projected already. It wasn't much. Um, It's more of an upgrade for Jones, but they weren't that far apart for me in the first place. Remember, I mean, we were talking about, is Jonathan Taylor a top five pick? And I was saying for me, he was a low end top 10 running back. Well, that's the range Jones was in, in my rankings already. I moved him up a little. I moved Taylor down a little. Okay. How about Ryan Fitzpatrick? Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, so going back to the end of 2019 and then into 2020, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has scored 20 or more fantasy points and six points per passing touchdown leagues in nine of his last 13 games. And, oh, no, no, sorry, 11 of his last 13 games. He scored 23 or more points in nine of his last 13 games. So he's been really, really good, and he was on a team that threw 600 times last year, which was curious because they didn't have a good passing game and they did have a good defense and they ran the ball pretty well and they still threw all the time. Um, McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, McKissick, and Gibson out of the backfield. It's really not that bad. So would you rather have him? You know, I talked about this with Jamie yesterday. Ryan Tannehill or or Ryan Fitzpatrick? Currently, I've got Tannehill one spot ahead of Fitzpatrick in the projections, but it's basically a coin flip. I think it's interesting. Like, you can look at Ryan Fitzpatrick over over the past three years because it was really 2018 in Tampa Bay when he kind of took his game to a new level, I suppose, at 36 years old. But he has a 16-game average of 3,993 yards and 25 touchdowns. And like a fourth of the games that he's played in that stretch have been partial games. Right. Because he's been pulled or he's had to come in to save somebody's bacon. Uh, I think he's, if you told me Ryan Fitzpatrick's playing 16 games this year, I think he's a 4,000-yard passer pretty easily. 
Which he's never and, done before. Which he's never done before. Which he's never done before. Yeah. Um, but if you're just looking like at the the pace that he's been on over the last three years, he's been on a better pace than that all three years. It's just, is Washington going to draft a young quarterback who isn't as good as him and then fool around with which one they're going to play? All right. So those are some of Heat's big winners. We'll hear about uh, who you all, you listeners, think are the winners of NFL free agency so far. But look, time's running out, people. The tournament, the playing games are today. The big dance really starts tomorrow. You've got an extra day this year to get your brackets filled out. I'm going to fill mine out later today. It's going to be tough to go against Gonzaga, but... Um, maybe I'll go against Gonzaga. We'll see. But fill out your definitely will go against Gonzaga. Why? I get, because you go against the grain with everything. Do I? That's not yeah, true. You're you're gonna pick like like uh, UConn to win. I know you. I watched um, I watched Georgia Tech, and they've got this guard that is just sensational, and I love yes. him. But I think mm-hmm. they're playing Loyola Chicago in the first round. Is that true? Schrager, can you confirm like that? that? Yes. And I kind of like Loyola Chicago right? to make a little bit too. of a run here. Um, well, a run to the second round. They would play Illinois in the second round. Oh, Illinois. That's my uh, that's my college basketball pick in, my, in the Omni Fantasy League. Uh, oh, so, so you got to root for them. That's who you're going to pick. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, most people are going to pick Gonzaga or the Illini for, for their tournament. So if you want to be different, don't pick one of those two teams. Okay. Well, I've got a lot to think about. And what I really recommend is listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, their bracket breakdown. That's what I do every year. Helps me out. I don't just do what they say, you know, copy it verbatim, but it, help, but it helps me out. Anyway, go to cbssports.com slash FFT brackets. Join. If you win, you're in the Podcast Listeners League. You also can, you know, win a car, a Nissan Rogue, and a trip to the 2022 Final Four. cbssports.com slash FFT brackets. Fill out your bracket uh, right now. All right, buy or sell with some Twitter polls. Terry McLaurin is a fantasy loser with the Curtis Samuel signing. Buy or sell, Dave? I will sell that. He has been over 20% of the target share each of his two years in the NFL. He played 15 games last year, 24.1% of the targets went his way. 2019, 14 games, 22.4% of the targets went his way. Clearly the number one guy there. Curtis Samuel is going to take work away from other pass catchers in that offense. I don't think this is good at all for Logan Thomas, J.D. McKissick, the Sims duo. I think it's going to be just fine for McLaurin. And who's the quarterback again? The guy that likes to target his number one receiver downfield over and over. So he is not a loser, but he, he's no longer like a big time winner. I, I'm I'm Jamie talked about him as a top 10 fantasy receiver. I'm curious if he still feels that way after the Samuel acquisition. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy him as a loser. I took, um, I think like 1% of target share away from him. He's maybe at 24 and he's at 23% target share now, but I would expect he's going to be more efficient with Ryan Fitzpatrick and with Curtis Samuel on the other side than he's been with the host of bad quarterbacks he's played with over the last two seasons. So I still have him ranked or projected as a top 10 wide receiver. I think actually eighth and seventh. All right. uh, Depending on the format. And like there might be a couple of guys projected below him who might have more upside. So they'll be ranked ahead of him, but he'll be inside my top 12 for sure. And probably inside my top 10. Okay. And he's going to be a little bit lower than that for Dave. Dave's got Terry McLaurin 14th right now. Jamie still has him 
Uh, oh, no, I think Jamie did move him down to 10th. I think it was 7th uh, last time we spoke. So Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson ahead of Terry McLaurin. Let's talk about Curtis Samuel. When I did the bonus pod last night with Jamie, I said that I felt Curtis Samuel was a diff- difficult player to evaluate. And uh, let me explain why I feel that way. One, I don't think we know how good of a receiver he is. He broke out the last eight games of, of 2020. He was really, really good. Uh, but it's only eight games. But he's not a guy who didn't have some hype. Remember going back into 2019, a lot of people thought he was going to be the big breakout wide receiver and it didn't happen. His second round draft pick. So maybe it's just his time. Maybe he just needs be- a better situation, better quarterback play. That's one. Two, I don't know how the targets are going to be distributed. There were three players that had more than 100 targets last year for Washington. Uh, Three, rushing is a big part of Curtis Samuel's game. He's been the second leading rusher among wide receivers two years in a row. Absolutely no idea what kind of rushing role he's going to have on the Washington football team. So I think he's difficult to evaluate. Where did you guys settle on him in your rankings? Heath, I'll go to you first. A high-end number three or borderline number two. I, I don't necessarily disagree with, with any of the points that you made. I think that there's some similarity there between the second-half breakout we saw two years ago from Devontae Parker after several years of not living up to expectations and and what we got from Curtis Samuel last year, although Samuel's breakout wasn't quite as good. Um, but he's also still just going into his age 25 season this year. So the fact that he's played four years hides a little bit the fact that he was pretty young when he came into the league. I didn't really ding Logan Thomas's projected targets too much, but I've basically got it uh, around 140 for McLaurin, 120 for Samuel, 110 for Thomas, and then 120 combined for Gibson and McKissick. Um, I do think that the combination of Fitzpatrick and adding a second talented wide receiver is probably going to lead to fewer targets for the running backs. But that's kind of been a feature of the offense the past two years when Scott Turner and Ron Rivera have been together is just dump off, dump off, dump off. And after year one, we thought, well, yeah, it was Christian McCaffrey. Last year, they were doing it to J.D. McKissick. Maybe it was just a lack of talent at wide receiver, but... Um, I, I think he's a difficult player to evaluate, and that's why he's best served in that high-end number three wide receiver range. feel 100% the same way, and now you're going to see a merry-go-round of guys that are going to catch passes without necessarily lining up where you see a running back line up. They could do it. They can catch a pass in the flat or a screen. Basically, a quick pass that a coach might call an extended run play. Gibson can do it. You know McKissick can do it. And I think Curtis Samuel has proven not just last year, but in his prior years in Carolina, when Ron Rivera was there, when Scott Turner was there, that he could do that too. So he's going to be used in a bunch of different ways. That's going to take work away from everybody else. I agree with Heath. I think he's a low-end number three receiver, maybe one that you kind of target like in that round seven-ish range. And that's where we were on him once upon a time, a couple of years ago. We were really excited about him. And he scored seven touchdowns. Actually, he scored seven touchdowns in 2019 and 2018. And he just didn't have a lot of touches. We're hoping now that he can get to, he, he would you say he, how many targets did you have for Curtis Samuel? Uh, 120. I'd be surprised if he got to 120 targets. I wouldn't be surprised if you combined his targets and his carries that he got to write about that number. So he'll be productive. And, uh, and we know him to be a red zone threat. I think last two years, 12 touchdowns, one of the touchdowns came outside of the red zone. So, I mean, that, that's where they're going to use him. And they'll have him occasionally as a big play threat. 
but he's a short area gadget type guy who can be useful with the ball in his hands four or five times a game. I can't remember what I said on the podcast last night, but one thing that I liked about Curtis Samuel was that he has had in his last three seasons a very con- pretty consistent yards per catch with three very different A dots. He's been downfield, like his A dot the last three seasons 11.9, 14.6, And his yards per catch 12.7, 11.6, 11.1. So he's been versatile. He's been using different roles and he's produced. Uh, somewhat similarly, the catch rates haven't been the same, but uh, the yards per catch has been YPC for life. Okay, next but, up, Adam. Yeah. Remember who his coaches were in the two years where that A dot was high. So his it, coaches. It, it was right. It was the wash. Right. It was Ron right. Rivera. No, I, yeah, well, no. I just meant not he had, Turner. One of those years, right? Yes. I just meant he had done different things. Uh, okay, uh, real quick, Curtis Samuel or DJ Chark with Marvin Jones in in Jacksonville. DJ Chark or Curtis Samuel? I'm slamming Sammy. Yeah, where is Chark? Um, I mean, I've got him still in Jacksonville right now, but he's a more of a low-end number three, and I'll take uh, Samuel over him. Yeah, you saw that rumor that he might be traded. All right, uh, buy or sell. Jonathan Taylor should not be a first-round pick in PPR now with Marlon Mack back. Sell the hell out of that. Man, I hope I'm in leagues with people that are going to pass on Jonathan Taylor. Oh, I didn't give the Twitter poll results. I'm sorry. Let me give Twitter poll results. Okay. Oh, oh. How much value does Terry McLaurin lose after the Curtis Samuel signing? 55% said none. 36% said a little. So almost everybody said either none or a little. Uh, a medium amount, 6.6%. A lot, 2.6%. So nobody's, uh, very few people concerned about Curtis Samuel. Now, uh, Twitter poll number two. Where's my Marlon Mack? Or number one, I guess I went out of order. Is Jonathan Taylor a first-round pick in a 12-team PPR league? Yes, 51%. No, 49%. It's very evenly split. Dave wants it. to be in the league with the 49% who say no. Let's go. Let's Heath, go 49ers. Buy or sell. Marlon Mack should not be a first-round pick. Heath. Yeah, Marlon Mack should definitely not be a uh, first-round pick. Damn it, I keep doing that. that. I'm not taking Jonathan Taylor in the first round either. I'm not going to really like fight against anybody who wants to because I do think Taylor is that special, but it's also probably a thing of where how many wide receivers I'm going to take in the first round versus Dave or whether Travis Kelsey's going in the first round. So I, I think he's a low-end, borderline number one running back. This worries me a little bit just because of how familiar and comfortable they are with Marlon Mack. I, I expect Mack's going to touch the ball a few times a game. He may get a couple of short yardage carries. He makes it easier for them to spell Jonathan Taylor early in the year. Um, and Naheem Hines still exists. Okay. Let's just start with this. It's it's not even close to the same situation that we had last year where Taylor came into the league as a rookie without an offseason program and a truncated training camp. And Marlon Mack was healthy and fine and coming off of a really good year. Mack is the one coming in still recovering from the Achilles tear that he had last September. He's not at 100% yet. He'll probably get there by training camp, but we don't know how explosive he'll be, how good he'll be, and we know exactly what Jonathan Taylor is. Is it another mouth to feed? Okay, maybe. Maybe Marlon Mack gets three touches per game, four touches per game. Maybe he steps in there if Jonathan Taylor goes through a slump, but I see the offensive line. I see the way that this team wants to be balanced. I see Jonathan Taylor as a tour de force in the backfield. 
there's so much upside with him that I can't get away with from him as a first round pick. Cannot do it. I have I don't think I've really mentioned this all offseason. Does it matter to you that left tackle Anthony Costanzo retired? I mean, it's a pretty big piece on that Colts line. It's it's a big piece, but I care a lot more about the interior line. Well, and, and we'll see what they do to replace him. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to start some, you know, undrafted guy at left tackle or something like that. We'll see what they do. But I, I, I'm i still very bullish on the O-line being good. Would you like to know how Jonathan Taylor did without Anthony Costanzo last year? Sure. You're going to tell me that he was terrible. No, it's actually quite good. I'm just looking at this uh, now. Okay. Uh, 12 carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown at Cleveland. 13 carries, okay. 91 yards at Houston. They were the worst run defense in football, one of them. Uh, 18 carries, 74 yards, two touchdowns at Pittsburgh. And then week 17, 30 carries, 253 yards, two touchdowns. So he did just fine without Anthony Costanzo. Okay, next up, buy or sell, A.J. Green should be drafted before Christian Kirk. A.J. Green should be drafted before Christian Kirk. Heath, buy or sell? Oh, um, I I have to <laughs> scroll quite a ways to find A.J. Green or Christian Kirk in the current wide receiver projections. Uh, none of them, neither of them are top 50 options at this time. Uh. But... I would disagree with it. I, I still think there's more hope that Christian Kirk could possibly slide into that Larry Fitzgerald slot role and then do something besides fall down after he catches the football. So I'm going to draft Kirk before A.J. Green, but neither of them in the first eight rounds for sure. <laughs> Dave, buy I, or sell Christian Kirk, or A.J. Green should be drafted ahead of Christian Kirk. I, I'm going to just sell this whole thing. I don't want to really draft either of these guys, and I agree that Kirk should go ahead of A.J. Green. It, it's a cool story that he's going to a different team. And, you know, if, if you thought three years ago about A.J. Green and DeAndre Hopkins on the same receiving core, I mean, we'd go crazy. We'd take whoever their quarterback was and put him at number one overall. But he proved last year that he's just not the same guy. He doesn't have it anymore. Um, this is an offense that asks its receivers to make plays after the catch. I don't know how much of that he's really going to be able to do at this point. Well, it's a shame because you only have to go back to 2018. He didn't play in 2019, but 2018, he was awesome. I mean, he only played played nine games, left one of them almost immediately. In his eight healthy games, he was on pace for almost 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns. He was A.J. Green. He was a stud. 2019, he sits out. 2020, 2020 he was awful. I mean, it's there's really no way to, to sugarcoat it. He had 104 targets and came down with 523 yards. And Dave, you showed me the next-gen stats. I mentioned this last night. Next-gen stats uh, show how much separation wide receivers or uh, all receivers are getting, wide receivers and tight ends they tracked. AJ Green had the least amount of separation in the NFL. Uh, it, it's not the most telling list. Like I said last night, Allen Robinson was like 10th lowest or something like that. But uh, AJ Green had fewer yards of separation than any other. I think he was tied with Devontae Parker. They were the lowest well, in the NFL. Thankfully, he's going to a team that has a quarterback who really likes to force it into tight windows. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Twitter people agree. I said, who would you rather have, Christian Kirk or AJ Green? Option A was do work, Kirk. 68% of the vote and smells like green spirit. Hmm? St. Patrick's Day, um, 32%. <laughs> okay, I'm just looking at some news coming in. Big Giants signing this morning, the one we were all waiting yes. for, Mike Glennon. Uh, some news on Allen Robinson, but it's not really news. They're no in no rush for a, 
long-term deal is on the franchise tag. So we will see what happens. We still have Juju and Galladay and Fuller and Carson and now Damian Williams on the market. So there are more podcasts to be coming. All right, that's going to do it for buy or sell. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on with? Oh, oh no, wait, I had a bonus buy or sell. I had a fourth one. Melvin Gordon, buy or sell. You guys are going to sell it. Don't be too hasty here. Think about it. Melvin Gordon is a top 12 running back if the Broncos don't bring in another significant running back. Significant meaning a guy like Carson, one of the good free agents, or a day one or two NFL draft pick. Melvin I mean, do you Gordon, really think that that's what's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. I'd be stunned if they go all offseason without adding another running back. They could add a Keyshawn Vaughn type, you know, or, or something like that. Or, um, you know, they could add some. They could add a fourth-round running back, which wouldn't really threaten Melvin Gordon. I would feel better about him as a number two running back. He would not sniff my top 12. Okay. No, he's he's not. And like, he, I don't even think he's necessarily in the range where I'd say that if he plays 16 games, he'll probably end up being a top 12 running back, but he's close to that. He, he's a, a, he's a low end number two. Um, I'd feel better if the offense was a little better. Okay. But why, do, better. why do I say it? He averaged 21 touches per game in five games without Philip Lindsay. He was pretty good for the most part, except one game against Tampa Bay. Remember Tampa Bay, they had Vita Vey at that point. They were the really one of the best run defenses ever. Uh, and if you take his points per game in the five games he played without Philip Lindsay last year, Melvin Gordon would have been 14th per game in non-PPR, 18th per game in PPR. But you take away the Tampa Bay game, he averaged 98 yards per game, total yards per game. So it's a usage thing. Just seems like if they don't add someone significant, you could be talking, I'm not sure he's going to get to 21 touches per game, but like 18 touches per game. That would be See, pretty pretty exciting. I, I And I think this is a, a place where like that could just, that could happen. I've got him projected for 258 total touches. Um, that would be his highest number of touches in a season since 2017. Well, he missed four games, what, in 2019? And 2018. Okay. Missed one game last year. Um, I mean, he's played 16 games once in his six-year career. I'm just saying on a per... Okay. All right. Well, listen, well, I'm just saying I'm not it. sure you use a guy with that type of past track record in that type of role for 16 games. Well, he stayed healthy two years... He stayed long. healthy two years in a row. Because in 2019, he held out. And last year, what, he missed one game? But he stayed healthy without that type of workload for a full season. That's true. So... A year ago at this time, the Broncos signed Melvin Gordon, and we were like, what are they doing? They've got Philip Lindsay. You know, what is the meaning of this? And now, if they're letting Philip Lindsay walk, they could go right back to this very deep free agent running back group, find somebody cheap, and have a two-headed monster. I mean, look, I don't want to speak it into existence, but maybe they signed somebody whose name rhymes with Kames Johnner. And now all of a sudden it's it's a swampy backfield for fantasy. I think a great situation would be if I, Pat Shermer worked with Wayne Gallman in New York, right? And Gallman's a free agent. Maybe yeah. Gallman signs a cheap deal, and that's oh, that, the no. That would be great. That would that be, would be great for Melvin that's, Gordon. That's what needs. To, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but yeah. that's what needs to happen to make Melvin Gordon turn into a running back where we go. Hmm. Okay, maybe I could see myself drafting. Yeah, because so, right now Dave. I feel like there's a lot of people 
who might recognize what he did last year and still not feel good drafting him. Yeah. Uh, but so what you're saying is what Melvin Gordon needs is Goldman. It's been a while. Let's take a break on fantasy football today. More news and notes when we come back. Big time offensive line news to talk about and your free agency winners. We'll be right, we'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Today. It's time for... News and notes. Deshaun Watson, this is not good. He's facing two lawsuits alleging inappropriate conduct during massages. He is denying it. It's a, it's an awkward time because a Houston beat writer just predicted that he's going to get traded. Um, so we'll keep an eye on this, but not what you want to see, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to monitor it. Arizona acquired Rodney Hudson, center from the Raiders, and a seventh-round pick for a third-round pick. So he's a... He's a good player. They gave up a third-round pick for an offensive lineman. That's no small deal. Um, you know, Dave, give me your reaction to Arizona getting Rodney Hudson, to the Chiefs signing Kyle Long. Um, there was some Seattle getting right guard Gabe Jackson from yeah. Las Vegas. For the Raiders are pick. just spitting their their veteran running back or veteran offensive lineman right yeah. now. Yeah, they did re-sign. The Raiders did re-sign Richie Incognito. And Denzel Good is back. So a couple of pieces from last year will still be there, but they've got a lot of work to do. It's bad for Josh Jacobs. And one more here. The Patriots signed Ted Karras to be their center. Uh-huh. That's good. One Patriots year. offensive line could be very good. Well, this is the thing. You know, they, they lost their starting center and Joe Tooney, their starting guard. They signed mm-hmm. what I'm guessing is a worse center because they signed him to a one-year $4 million deal. There's no way uh, Andrews isn't getting more than that. Um, sure. their center that they are losing. And they're, they're left, they're, the tackle they just brought back, Trent Brown, I've been reading very conflicting stuff about how good or how bad he is, and he's had trouble staying healthy, although it's been a little bit fluky. But I don't know that they're better than they were last year. They're just different. Um, the Cardinals getting Hudson feels like huge news. Yes, it is. Okay, so give me your offensive line breakdown right now in free agency. Um, with With Hudson going to Arizona, that's going to help them shore up blitzers trying to get to Kyler Murray through the a gaps, right? So big defensive tackles, linebackers that are fast, that are willing to go between the, the hog mollies up front to try and shut down Kyler Murray, keep him from escaping through the middle of the line. That's what that's for. And they've, they're they're building a pretty good offensive line. It used to be a weakness. Now it's looking to be a strength. Uh, I like it for them. I like what Seattle has done. 
with Gabe Jackson. I think he's a terrific offensive lineman as well. They need help there. And then uh, Kansas City is really the one that I think we should talk about because Tooney went there. He's awesome. And if Kyle Long can find that form from 2018 and before, I mean, that, that is a huge boon to Kansas City's offense. And he might even be able to play right tackle which would be yeah. just incredible for them. Well, they don't need so, a guard, that, right? I mean, they've got well, I mean, it really Tardif. Depends. Is, is Tardif definitely coming back, or I, is he going to keep working on the front lines of the, the COVID No, I, I think he is expected to come back. I think I had read well, that. Well, that's great. So then Long could compete to either be a backup guard or a backup tackle slash starting tackle, but he took a year off. He probably had his body refreshed. He clearly thinks he's got something left in the tank. You've got to trust Brett Veach and Andy Reid because they know how bad their offensive line is. Yeah, they're going to put another body that's got some that's got some accolades in their offensive line group and hope that he can come out of it with a starting job. It could be very exciting for Kansas City. Okay. Heath, anything stand out to you in terms of offensive line land? Let me let me steer this to Oakland here. Or sorry, to Las Vegas. This went from last year team that looked like they're going to have one of the best lines in football. It's going to be extremely different now. I think you've got to have some Josh Jacobs concerns, right? Well, and there were already reasons for Josh Jacobs concerns, like as a borderline first round pick, just because of the way he's been used and the way that they, he shared the load and his not being probably a 50 catch back. So yeah, I think it's enough within that tier to cause a little bit of concern. Um, it's probably great news for Darren Waller because if they can't block anybody. Derek Carr will just dump it off to Waller even more often. Um, I don't I don't love it for Carr. I don't love it for Jacobs, but let's see how they finish up the offseason. Okay. Other news. So the Bengals offered Kenny Galladay a contract. He's also been talking to the Giants. Seems like, like a one-year deal from the Bengals, right? Yeah, one-year prove-it deal. This is crazy what's going on with... I think I, I think I have an idea why it's happening, but why Galladay and Fuller and Juju um, haven't struck it rich yet. And I think it has to do with the draft class. And it's, it's, it's deep and super talented. And these teams probably figure, why should I spend... 12 to 18 million dollars a year on Kenny Galladay when I can get somebody younger, faster, and cheaper. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing is like there's nobody without warts. Um, Kenny Galladay's basically had one year as an like a, a, an alpha wide receiver, and even in that year, he didn't even earn 120 targets. Um, Juju pretty close, right? Struck 116, but that's yeah. not we're generally looking like 140 for the guy that we think that Kenny Galladay is. Um, okay. Juju's not been anything for two years now. Will Fuller's never been able to stay healthy. Like it's, there's just enough warts. Um, but this is certainly concerning for Galladay in terms of being a top 12 fantasy wide receiver. If this is a level of interest and he may have to settle on a deal with the Giants. I got to say though, it's hard to say that like what you just said about Juju and Fuller. Juju did have a lot of touchdowns. Like you got to give him credit for some of what he did in 2020, and being being able to reel in touchdowns from Roethlisberger and play in the context of that offense. It wasn't with the target share that he had once upon a time. We knew that that was going to be an issue eventually, but he he was he was serviceable. He's just not like a consistent game breaker. And Fuller is a game breaker, and he proved that last year. But then he had the suspension, and everybody knows about the injury history. 
So it, it's like those guys did do things in 2020 to let the NFL know, hey, look, I can contribute. I'm worth a lot of cash. Come get me. But they, but it's like the teams recognize, well, we could come get you, but your price is too high, and you know, I can go get Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle in April and have to pay them half as much. Will Fuller, if you think yards per target is a valuable stat, Will Fuller is the best wide receiver in football. <laughs> I mean, his last three seasons, he has averaged 10.7 yards per target over his last three seasons. Uh, Devontae Adams just averaged a career-high 9.2 yards per target, and Fuller in his last three has been 10.7. Tyreek Hill in his career is 10 point, or his last four seasons is 10.3. Fuller in his last three is 10.7. I mentioned this about Corey Davis. Five wide receivers last year averaged 15 yards per catch and caught 70% or more of their targets. Will Fuller was at the top of the list. Rashard Higgins, Justin Jefferson, Corey Davis, and Julio Jones were the other four, but with, with the, go ahead. Yeah. With the start of baseball season right around the corner, I think it's important to talk about sample size with Will Fuller. It's, it's a bit like a lefty masher who gets 350 plate appearances a year and hits 350. But until you've seen the guy do it over a full season facing the full level of competition, you don't really know. We kind of, we, we kind of got that from Will Fuller last yeah, I think, year. I think he answered that. I well, think he answered the question. He was a top 10 receiver per he, game. He, he he was a top 10 receiver per game. And, but again, he, we don't know if he can play 16 games and he was doing that. That efficiency was on six and a half targets per game. Like he was, he was on pace for 118, 115 targets. Yeah. Um, but he's, I mean, he still has has been really productive. I just, I, yeah, he's been really productive. I'm not saying like he's super explosive. I, I thought you went too far when you said if you like yards per target, then Will Fuller's the best wide receiver in the game because well, averaging ten yards per target over seventy targets per season is not really but comparable it's his last to someone who's three seasons. His last three seasons is averaging ten point seven yards per target. That that's got to mean something. It, he's, he's awesome. It means he gets. A I do lot not of think. He, I do not think yeah. Will Fuller is the best wide receiver in football. I was. I was sorry if that didn't. If the sarcasm didn't hit there. But right. Well, I was just. I think he's averaging four and a half catches per game over that stretch, and he's playing with Deshaun Watson and two thirds of it with DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. That could be the one other thing. Is is Will Fuller in a holding pattern because he wants to play with Deshaun Watson, and is that why he hasn't signed? He wants to see where Deshaun Watson goes, and then he'll try and follow him there. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it, Fuller also has caught seventy percent of his targets in the last three seasons. So yeah, I, I wish it were more. It's only one hundred and ninety-one targets in twenty-nine games, but it's seventy percent catch rate. It's fifteen point three yards per t- yards per catch and ten point seven awesome. yards per target. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that he will be the best boomer bust wide receiver. He he's the best receiver in the boomer bust category this year. Unless Kenny Galladay is in that category because he plays for the Giants. Yeah, I, I do not want him to go to the Giants. I think that nah. would that would hurt everyone except Daniel Jones, who's nobody's interested in. But it would hurt all of the Giants receivers, and mm-hmm. it would hurt Galladay. It's not the best mm-hmm. spot for him. Although, I mean, Galladay would be far and away the best option. You could see him getting 120 targets on the Giants, right? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. I uh, no. Can you see th- 11 touchdowns on the Giants? Well, how many they threw for 12 last year or something right. like that? I mean, that's that's <laughs> but, why you, that's But two why years ago, bad. a lot more. He might get to 120 targets and he might get you 1200 yards on those targets, but he might only get you five touchdowns. I would think that Look, Daniel Jones threw a lot of touchdowns in his rookie year. So, it's just the problem is they're such a run-heavy ground and pound type of team. That's that's their their goal. That's what they want but to be. So that's why I don't maybe, want Galladay maybe to go they, there. Right. But or they're saying we want to be able to be more balanced or even try and, you know, evolve Daniel Jones here. Let's add a receiver. Here's a great one. Yeah. I mean, it's it's you can't assume the Patriots are going to be exactly as run heavy as they were last year after they added all this talent at receiver. That's the Patriots telling you we're going to try and jumpstart the passing game. Trying to see if there's any other significant news. Gerald Everett and Anthony Ferkser. So Gerald Everett, one-year deal with the Seahawks, could be worth up to $7 million. He'll be reunited with offensive coordinator Shane Waldrum. And Anthony Ferkser, Jamie mentioned him as a sleeper. He and Jeff Swain both re-signed with Tennessee. This, so... If you like small sample sizes, then <laughs> Anthony Ferkser is a top 10 tight end. One game without Johnu Smith last year. Five catches, 51 yards on seven targets. Uh, Anthony Ferkser, I mean, how crazy would it be to take him over Hunter Henry if if we were just drafting right now to take Ferkser over Hunter Henry? It would be insane. Uh, I mean, what if, because he could be number two in targets on the team. Yeah, but I don't, he's not the same type of player as Janu. And he, I, I think he could be in line for way more playing time and certainly a, a jump in targets is possible. He averaged five they're, catches they're for, add, he averaged five catches for 51 talent. yards without Janu mm-hmm. Smith. I know. In one game. You said small sample size yeah. stat. You could call it a food court stat. Because, you know, those um, people four of those court. catches, four of those catches were on the final drive of the game. Oh, Shraggy B, Acer Stat. It's a really small sample size. That's good. All right, all right. In one drive in his entire career, <laughs> Anthony Ferkser. Okay, uh, let's see what uh, the audience thinks right now. I asked you, who is the biggest winner in free agency? Could be someone who changed teams. Could be someone like Cam Newton. Could be someone like A.J. Brown who lost target competition. I will just read... Uh, I'll just read some answers here. We have a bunch of comments. Rick says, Josh Allen, the defense has not improved and neither has the run game. He's getting an Ironman slot wide receiver to run through the air to play across from Beasley as opposed to John Brown, who is always hurt. So he's getting Emmanuel Sanders. So Josh Allen, a big winner. Keep in mind, I do think that even though the defense, they haven't added, I mean, they re-signed, Matt Milano, the defense got a lot better later in the year, so I would expect their defense to be better in 2021, personally. But is Josh Allen a winner, guys, or just the same? So far, he's a winner. I, I mean, we, I'm not moving him up to the number one quarterback in fantasy. Why is he a winner again? Yeah, why is he a winner? Because he the Bills haven't splurged at running back yet. Okay, but that's what I'm worried about with Allen is that Buffalo makes a big deal at running back and that's their sign. It's the opposite of what the Patriots did. They're saying we need to be better running the football and taking some pressure off of Josh Allen, who basically was the entire offense last year. Yeah, if anything, I would probably say that Allen's a downgrade because I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is as good as John Brown right now. But he's still got Gabriel Davis to step up and he's just he's he's such a. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to put Kyle Kyler Murray ahead of him because 
Murray got AJ Green. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure well, Andy, why you Andy would... got Rodney Hudson. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know if that's enough to move Murray ahead of Josh Allen. Maybe we'll see. It, it, to me, Allen's moving down when the Bills do a, something big at running back. If they do something big at running back, but the Cardinals could also do that. All right, let's Cardinals go. Could also let's add go, a Travis um, Etienne or something faster here. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert: Travis Etienne, not even the number one or two running back prospect for Emory Hunt. Check out Fantasy Football totally Today at five. That. Yeah, that's on Fantasy Football Today in five, Adam? Yep, yep. We talked about Etienne and Harris on today's episode, and we talked about uh, number two, number four, and number five, because he has Etienne number three, but number two, four, and five for him, for Emory Hunt in his prospect rankings. Uh, Check out March Madness, by the way, on the CBS Sports app on your connected TV or on your phone. From there, you're going to see every tournament game available to watch, whether it's on CBS or March Madness Live. Think of it like a gateway to all the action. So download the CBS Sports app now so you never miss a minute of the NCAA tournament. That is, I I strongly recommend it. Also, I don't want to keep saying the word tournament because I say it funny and Dave makes fun of me for it. But I was about to make a comment. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, all right, more winners. Uh, Joshua says everyone but Chicago Bears fans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I shouldn't laugh. Um, let's see. Cam Newton, obviously, as a winner. Again, a lot of Cam Newton. You guys feel good about that? I think he, relative to where he started at the beginning of free agency, he's like absolutely a winner in that same Ryan Fitzpatrick range. Were we even drafting him when? I don't think so. When free agency, not when when the tamp when the rumors before he signed with New England, we weren't even drafting him. And then when he signed with New England, we were like, oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely in that range. And I would I would currently draft him ahead of Fitzmagic. I would not. Um, because I still think that the Patriots could make a move. I think they're more likely. Huh? Yeah, I do. I think they're more likely to make a move at quarterback to cause some worry over Cam Newton starting 16 games than Washington. Because Washington sells Allen and Heineke. Uh, I, I think that I mean, you're set. You got those two guys. Well, listen, uh, <laughs> they signed those guys. They seem like they want to keep them around. I, I don't necessarily believe that they're going to draft a quarterback. Okay, from King Hassan, here's a here's a, an autocorrect for you. It's clearly Stanford. He had zero chance of ever even getting to the postseason for the rest of his career had he not been traded. So Matthew Stanford, now of the Rams. Yeah, I mean, I would assume that the Pac-10 will be back on a regular schedule next year, and so there will be a chance. Did you just call it the Pac-10? What yeah. is, how old? Like, what was the last time you watched college football? The Pac-10. Would you like to join a, the, a bracket with me? <laughs> it's Pac-12. I don't know how many teams they have, but they are the Pac-12. Um, yeah, I, that, that's I, I. That's a little bit confusing to me because, like, the Big Twelve, I think, only has ten, um, but the Big Ten had like fourteen. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I can't. So, it's preposterous. <laughs> I don't know if the ACC has any teams that ha- begin with the letter A. So. Uh, this is from Michael Blood. Winners, me and all the other poor Patriots fans. We had to go through one miserable season of the Pats being bad. <laughs> Problem solved. I wonder how good they're going to be. I do think their defense is going to be pretty good. Kyle Van Noy coming back. Um, it, Patrick Chung retiring, but between the opt-ins and the defensive upgrades, yeah, I think that they're going to be the most boring team in football. But... 
they they'll win games. Be, yeah, they'll win. They're going to be an unpredictable team. When I, when I wrote the story on Hunter Henry, I said, you know how like they they always have a running back situation that you can't quite trust because it's so unpredictable. Now imagine that with the entire offense, because they've got they've got guys that they can play matchups with week in and week out, and it's perfect for them. What they're doing is great, but it's going to suck for us. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay, so how about from Matt Johnson, William Jackson? Can't wait to see Washington football team competing with the D. Yeah, so they signed a, mm-hmm. one of the top cornerbacks on the market. So just want to give a thumbs up. Good call there. Uh, some fantasy relevant stuff. Matt Costanzo says James Robinson. James Robinson, biggest winner so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, Carlos Hyde seems like a very adequate backup for James Robinson, but not much more. So if if we could get through April in this same situation, you'd feel great about it. Dustin Dietz says, um, Trevor Lawrence? No. You know, you, you added Marvin Jones. I, I like so. Marvin Jones. Oh, I do um, too. Oh, he's a draftable bench receiver for sure. But like they, their current starting tight end is now, um, oh, what's his name? Oliver. No, they traded him to the Ravens. They traded who they traded to the Ravens? Josh Oliver, right? They did? I believe Josh Oliver was traded to the Ravens. How did I not know that? And I believe... I think O'Shennessy is the only one left. O'Shag Hennessy. They they signed a free agent tight end, um, Chris Manhurts. I see that they still have Oliver on the roster. Yeah, O'Shag Hennessy... my, they may have had a dream about Josh Oliver being traded. Yeah, it's O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> O'Shag Hennessy is is from my favorite, one of my favorite Key and Peele bits. You ever seen that one with substitute yeah, yeah, teacher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Okay, so 15 <laughs> hours ago, Ian Rappaport tweeted the Jaguars are trading Josh Oliver to the Ravens for oh. a conditional draft pick. Okay, I didn't catch that. I wasn't online 15 Ian hours Ian Rappaport ago. also said the Jets have had conversations with Juju Smith-Schuster. All right, more winners. Uh, Darren says T. Higgins is going to be a beast this year. Yeah, I think we all knew A.J. Green wasn't going to be back, so he's not a well, loser, that's for sure. But not if they sign Kenny Galladay, probably. Right. That's, Isn't that a sign? <laughs> that's true. That's that's a kind of a freak-out sign that they are in the market for a receiver, and anybody that they bring in that's high-profile would obviously hurt the upside of T. Higgins. Oh, we are getting so many. So many people are answering with Terry McLaurin or Ryan Fitzpatrick, so... The Fitzpatrick to McLaurin stack getting a lot of love. Washington football team getting a lot of love. They, uh, Who do you guys think is going to win the NFC East as of right now? I think Washington has the best chance with Dallas right behind them. I think I'd go Dallas with the best chance with Washington right behind them. It's a two-horse race, um, and it'll be very interesting. I just figure I, I Washington's feel defense will be better. I feel confident that a team from the NFC East is going to win more games than they lose this year. <laughs> there you go. That okay. I uh, Greg says, thinking outside the box, how about Jamison Crowder in a contract year? The addition of Corey Davis puts Crowder back in his traditional number two role as the slot guy should see plenty of targets. If the offense is predicated on the slot like it was last year, then sure, that's possible. And if Crowder is actually on the roster to begin the 21 season. Okay. I'm I not, think I'm, I'm not excited about any Jets right now. I think this is, sorry, Jamie. this is the best one for me. 
might be my biggest winner. Clyde Edwards Elair, Colin Bassett suggesting CEH and AJ Brown also a lot of votes for him. But I think it's huge for Clyde Edwards Elair that Damian Williams was released. Um, I think it helps. And the offensive line being rebuilt helps. Well, I mean, right now we think the offensive line's still worse than it was last year, right? No, I think they're I think just by the addition of Tooney coming in, that helps the offensive line strengthen from where it was at the end of last year. Tackles, they got to do something about that too. But before free agency started, that line was a disaster. Now they're fixing it. I want to clarify. It's much better than where it was before free agency started. I was saying over the course of what it was last year versus what it currently looks like, it is worse. Yeah, they need tackles. Yeah, I mean, they're go- obviously yeah. they're going to be a lot better at guard. They're going to be a lot better at guard, but they're currently much worse at tackle. And they don't have a center yet either, right? Yes, I think they do have a center. Um, I was just reading. Hold on, I only know this because I was just reading about Duvernay Tardif when we brought him up. So, I I think they have a center. But I mean, technically, they have a center. Andrew is it a good Andrew center? Wiley is he a guard for them? Yeah, I can't pr- pr- profess to know the Chiefs' offensive line that well. I think that's really Heath's job. The Chiefs have made an offer to Austin Ryder, who was their center last year, but he has not accepted the offer yet. Okay. Uh, and then there is the show additional replies, including those that may contain offensive content. Well, I got <laughs> I got to show. I mean, I got to see what people are saying, right? Ryan yes. Fitzpatrick, <laughs> that's the offensive content. <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So a lot of Washington uh, love right now, and I get it. Makes sense. To the Apple Podcast questions. This is from Clint. Clint's in a keeper league, standard scoring. I get to keep two of these with my final two rounds. All three were picked up on the waiver wire. Is the decision this easy now? So pick two. AJ Dillon, yeah. AJ Dillon, Cam Akers, and J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. 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 Isn't it nice when things are easy? Joey in a small town west of Houston, Texas. Uh, El Paso. Okay. I don't know why I was waiting for like Heath to respond or something. Okay. How's it going, Jim, Jason, Rex, and Kyle? Those are Bears quarterbacks. Yep. 12-team PPR Keeper League. I've won this league twice now because I drafted Michael Thomas in his rookie season in round eight. Every year your keeper moves up around, you keep them. Michael Thomas will be a fourth-round pick this year. Should I keep Michael Thomas in the fourth or T. Higgins in the eighth? I'm keeping T. Higgins. I can't believe you said that. Me too. Quickly, no less. I know. I thought you were going to you keep are, Michael you Thomas. You are the Michael Thomas truther, but I mean, I, I I get it. I shouldn't say truther. More like, you know, um, fortune teller. I, I I tend to agree, but I'm going to change my tune if the Bengals do add some talent at receiver. 100%. How, and I don't know, like, how confident are we in Jameis Winston winning that job? Because that would make no. It sounds like it's difference. a competition, which is something that I didn't think was necessarily going to be. I mean, I think I knew it was going to be a competition, but I just kind of leaned toward Jameis getting it. it but now it, I think you you literally have to look at those guys as in a, a competition. It makes projecting that entire offense a nightmare because it's two different offenses. It is. Yeah, 
For but sure. on the plus side, we did see Taysom Hill lean heavily on Michael Thomas before, and we think that Jameis could probably do the same thing. Who else are you going to lean on? <laughs> Michael Thomas has Chapman. been basically quarterback proof. Bridgewater, Breeze, and Taysom Hill. Did not catch a touchdown with Taysom. He didn't catch a touchdown all year, did he, Michael Thomas? Zero touchdowns. Yeah, he didn't catch a Play touchdown with, with, uh, with Taysom Hill, but he had a lot of catches. Okay, that's it for Fantasy Football Today. Thank you, guys, everybody. We have a lot of great free agents still yet to sign, so we'll be back soon. And make sure you watch our video show today on CBS Sports HQ, 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll tell you our favorite destinations for some of the free agents that are still out there, our biggest winners and losers, and a lot more for Dave Richard and Keith Cummings and Ben Schrager. I'm Adam Azer. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.